0: Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org/youngadults. What's up guys? You guys doing good tonight? Yeah. Like Logan said, my name's Aaron. I'm a missions major at BBC. I hope to be a missionary to the Philippines in the next few years. Um, but tonight, like Logan said, we're, we're going through this Grow series and we're trying to learn spiritual disciplines and just grow in our walk with Christ. And I have the great opportunity to speak on an area that's um, a struggle for me at times, and I'm sure it's a struggle for all of us, but a little bit of information that you may not know about me, I failed public speaking last semester. So we'll see how this goes. No, seriously. I think all of us can agree that we can, we all want to help people. You know, all of us want to show compassion to people and we see needs that are, need to be met and we want to reach those needs and, and fix those things. And sharing our faith is one of the ways that we can help people. But we have to understand a few things about sharing our faith and tonight I hope that the scripture will just show us exactly what things we need to do in order to share our faith. When I was in seventh grade, I remember we had this event called See You at the Pole. And See You at the Pole, if you don't know what it is, it's an event where the school comes together and we pray over things like the government and the school and the student body. And we just spend time acknowledging that God really is what motivates everything. That we come together as a body and we just understand God's the center. And at this one particular See you at the Pole, I remember one of my friends came up to me and he said, Aaron, I want to accept Christ. How do I do that? In seventh grade, me, and I was saved the time, but I had no idea how to answer that. So I saw one of a a teacher that I trusted over, and I said, let's go talk to this teacher, and and I'll show you. We walk over, and the teacher explains salvation and how that happens, and the, the guy accepted Christ that night. But what I fear is that, like seventh grade, me, some of us, are afraid that we don't have the answers. We don't know how to do it. We don't even know what to say. If somebody was to come up and ask us, you know, how do I accept Christ, we would honestly probably be left blank. Tonight, the scripture and the story that we read, I hope under, helps us understand that it's not on us. Sharing our faith is the act of obedience and everything else is on God. Once we step out, into trusting God with with our story, with our faith, he's gonna bless it in ways that we never even thought possible. So if you'll turn with me to Luke, we're gonna be in chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And here we have Jesus and probably some other people, but a lawyer comes up to him and asks him a question. And so we'll read. And behold, a lawyer stood up To put him to the test. Talking about Jesus here. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, Desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he, the priest, saw him passing by on the other side. So likewise a Levite came, and when he saw him, He passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds and poured oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight to have your word that can change our lives in all of these areas of growth that we've talked about. God, I pray that tonight we will be true to your word, that you will speak through me, um, that you'll put out all the distractions that are in our room in the room tonight. God, that you'll just love on us tonight and give us a burden for sharing our faith. Give us a burden for the gospel and the, the change that it's had in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Sharing our faith requires understanding our position. We can be in... One of two positions tonight, and I'd say most of us, if we're not tonight in one of these two positions, have been in the last month. I know I've definitely been in both of them within the last week. The first position we see with the lawyer. We're seeking to justify ourselves. We're going through these spiritual disciplines, and we're like, man, I'm starting to pray more. I'm reading my Bible daily. Maybe you've started giving. You've given up that Starbucks drink just so you can give more. And we're doing these things, and those things are amazing, and we should be doing them. That's why we talk about them. But we get to the point where we're like, man, I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. God, look at me. Look at how I've been praying to you every single day. Look at how I've been giving and giving up that Starbucks drink. And then the second position that I seem to find myself in a lot is the broken position. The man who was beaten on the side of the road. Whether you're being beaten right now by life and you barely came in limping just because work's hard and the people you work with are difficult. Or maybe you're in school and all of the things with school are just weighing down on you because I failed public speaking. I'm taking 23 credits, so I understand how that is. Or maybe the people in your life are just making things way more difficult than they need to be. Maybe you're broken over sin. Maybe. You have things that you brought in tonight that are baggage and you're like, man, I hope nobody knows about this. I hope no one finds out about this. What would people think if they knew I was doing this? If I was lying, cheating on my test, cheating on my significant other. Different areas of sin that break us down. But no matter what position you're in tonight, the good news is that you don't have to stay there. And no matter what position you have been in the last month, you don't have to stay there. Because through this story, we see Jesus give hope even to someone who is justifying himself. This story gives hope even to a broken man who is left for dead on the side of the road. So let's set up this story a little bit more. Let's really dig into this. First, we have the lawyer Like I said, and the scripture said, he came seeking to test Jesus. See, the lawyer was a man who was well-versed in the Jewish law. He wasn't the lawyer that gets up on the stage and tries to defend somebody or prove someone guilty, but he was a well-studied person in the Jewish law. He would have had the first four books of the Bible memorized. The Old Testament, now that's hard. I struggle to memorize a few verses here and there. He would have known what the law said and when he asked Jesus this question to test him, he was expecting Jesus to say what Jesus had been preaching, this message of grace, of eternal life gained through him alone. And when Jesus answered this, he was gonna get him. He was gonna catch him and say, well, actually the law says this. But Jesus knew ahead of time what this man was gonna say and you know, it's always like Jesus to do that, right? And Jesus' intention with asking what does the law say was to get at this man's heart and at the argument that he was presented with. See, this man knew that in order to gain eternal life, you had to love God and love others. You do that perfectly and you'll get into heaven. The problem is none of us can do that perfectly. This man, this lawyer, couldn't do that perfectly. See, this lawyer had an extreme hatred He did not love his neighbor as he loved himself. There was a group of people called the Samaritans. This people group was half Jewish and half Gentile. They had been taken out during Israel's captivity in the Old Testament. And through that, they had been bred with the other nations that had captured them. See, the Samaritans to a Jewish person was a reminder that they weren't faithful to God. And they hated them for it. The hatred goes so deep that there's not even a racial tension that I can bring to light today that compares to it. But for sake of tonight's message, think to someone, maybe you pray for their downfall. Someone who sinned against you. Compare yourself in this situation to the lawyer. See, Jesus knew the hatred this man had for the Samaritans. And he was gonna get to the heart of the argument. Even a Jew would pray in the morning that the Samaritans wouldn't go to heaven. That's how much they hated them. The disciples, two chapters earlier in Luke, were sent to go bring the gospel to the Samaritans. And when they didn't repent, you know what the response was? Lord, can we bring fire down on them? Can we burn them up? That's how much hatred they had. So Jesus tells this story. And first in the parable we see that the path presented was a path that was hard. It says, he was going on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. Now, from Jerusalem to Jericho was a good journey. And what the Jews in this time, when the lawyer heard the story, what he would understand about this path was, it was known in Hebrew as the path of blood. And here comes this man on this, this terrible path that's dangerous that you could definitely hope not hope, but consider to encounter robbers, and he gets robbed, beaten and left for dead. So now we have this broken man. Now, I've never seen someone beaten and robbed and left for dead, but I've been to the Philippines a couple times, and I remember this one particular trip. We were driving to the church through downtown Manila, which is the capital city, and I look out the window, and there on the side of the road was this kind of like a grayish, blackish blob just laying there. And as I looked closer, I noticed that it was a a boy, a young boy. He was curled up in a ball and wasn't really moving. You could tell he hadn't eaten in a long time. So I want you to picture that. I had compassion for this boy, but there's nothing I could do to help him in this moment as we were stuck in Manila traffic. (laughs) So just like this boy, this man's beaten and left for dead. I've been in some pretty bad dirt bike wrecks, but I've never been close to death. But in a similar sense, my brokenness has brought me close to death. So the Samaritan in this story is the hero. But first we encounter two people that this lawyer would have would have respected very highly. You have this broken man, and here comes this priest. Now, the priest, a little bit of insight, he was a lot like the lawyer. He had the scriptures memorized, and he even had money given to him and set aside to help people in need. He comes up on this scene of this broken man and just walks away. No compassion, no second thought. Surely the lawyer's thinking at this point, like, man, I thought the priests were supposed to help everyone. Everyone. Then you have the Levite, and the Levite was kind of like the priest. He was a helper at the temple too, would have known the scriptures, would have known the law. He walks up, and he looks at this man, examines him a little bit, and says, not going to do that today, walks away. Now, whether both the priest and the Levite were just walking away because they didn't want to make themselves unclean or whatever the, the reason was, they didn't love their neighbor. Jesus knew this and the lawyer knew this at this point. So here comes the third person of the story, the Samaritan. Now, when Jesus says a Samaritan was coming, the lawyer knows, man, here it comes. I know what's happening next. And Jesus said the Samaritan saw him and had compassion. Now, what the Samaritan can do in this situation that I couldn't do for that boy is he had the means to help this man. And he chose to do something that the Levite and the priest did not choose to do. He gave of himself and he sacrificed his goods to help someone he had no idea who they were. A stranger, complete stranger. So he gives of his, his goods and he binds the wounds. And he even goes as far as to put this man on his animal and take him to an inn, sacrificing his time. And he doesn't stop there. But he covers all the cost. He tells the innkeeper to make sure this man is taken care of and I'll pay you back for the rest. I want you to take time and think about a time when maybe you were broken and someone helped you. Or think about a time when someone saved you from a situation that was gonna lead you into brokenness or into hurt and pain. Place yourself in this man's position who's beaten and broken. Then Jesus, after he finishes this parable, if that wasn't enough to hit this man in the heart, he asked a question. He said, who is the neighbor? This question was intended to finally break that wall of pride in the lawyer's heart. Sometimes it takes more than just someone telling us, here's what you need to do to fix ourselves, to bring healing, to break our pride. And Jesus knew that. He asked the lawyer the question, and the lawyer is supposed to respond with the Samaritan. But here's how much he hated the Samaritans, and here's where we see his heart revealed. He said, the man who showed compassion. Wouldn't even say his name. And Jesus said, go and do likewise, and you will live. See, in both situations, whether we're the lawyer and we're prideful, Oh, we're a man in need of saving and we are just broken. One thing's true, we can't do it ourselves. You can't break your own pride and justify yourself and do all of these great spiritual disciplines that we talk about to get to heaven. You know why? Because you can't do it perfectly. I can't do it perfectly. This week, I struggled to read my Bible I'm not perfect. And in my brokenness, I can't heal myself. When I was 18, I knew that God was calling me to the ministry and I knew that God wanted me to go to Bible college, but I had other plans. You see, I wanted to live a life for myself. I had everything that an 18-year-old could have and I took it for granted. I was so caught up in sin of selfish desires and I thought everyone around me had no idea. I didn't think my parents knew anything. I didn't think any of my friends knew anything. I definitely didn't think the people at church had any idea what was going on. And then my parents started catching me in lies. My friends started, started seeing the shadiness that was in my life. My youth pastor at the time, he knew everything the whole time. I come to find out later. I wasn't fooling anyone. And the consequences of my sin hadn't caught up to me yet. So one night I was driving home and I remember thinking, man, if I just wrecked right now, the consequences of my sin would be put off and everyone would focus on my well-being, on my physical healing. I didn't do it, thankfully. And in that moment, I was at the end of myself. I was so broken. But thankfully, Christ didn't leave me there. And he didn't let me continue in those sins. See, through a speaker that I would hear later talk about how selfishly we are living for ourselves and it's a waste, I realized what Christ had done for my life. I had been saved. And I didn't have to stay broken forever. I had to understand the gospel and what it had done for me. Sharing our faith requires knowing the gospel. Whether we're trying to justify ourselves, we look at others and we think, man, I'm not doing as bad as him. Or we're broken and we have no hope for fixing it and we're just trying everything that we hope will work and nothing is working. You continue to fall into brokenness We don't have to stay there. Understanding the gospel pulls us out of our pride and heals heals us of our brokenness. There's redemption that's offered to the lawyer and to the broken man. Jesus came and he walked on this path. We talk about how hard this path was that the robbers were on that they robbed this man. Jesus came and lived our life. In Philippians 2 it says that he did not count anything to be with God, to be like God. But he took the form of a man so that he could suffer the way that we suffer, he could be tempted the way that we are tempted and live this life. But Jesus did something that none of us can do. He lived it perfectly. He perfectly loved God and he perfectly loved others. And because he perfectly did both those things, he died on the cross. Because sin requires death as payment. And Jesus as the perfect sacrifice died for our payment. That was something that I had to understand in my brokenness. And that's something that I ask you to understand but it didn't stop with Jesus' death. Just like the Samaritan in the story, it didn't stop with just healing the man. See, Jesus paid for our sins now, and he's coming back, and he's already paid for the sins in the future. He doesn't just forgive you of what you've done in your past, he forgives you of everything if you'll ask for it. So maybe you're in here tonight and you've never made that decision. You're asking, man, how do I have this redemption that you talk about, this relationship that you talk about? Well, in Romans nine, we see it laid out perfectly. Romans 10, starting in verse nine. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Now, nowhere in that text does it say, if you do these things, you'll be saved. If you do these works, you'll be saved. All it says is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And that redemption is yours. It's that simple. It's that easy. So if you're in here tonight and you don't have that, my offer is that you will take it. And if you're a Christian in here and you need reminding of where you once were, let this be a reminder of what the gospel has done in your life. Don't walk out of these doors and not be changed of what Christ has already done through you. Don't continue in your brokenness. As a Christian, you have redemption continually. All you have to do is ask for it. And the last thing tonight that I want us to know is sharing our faith is compelled by the gospel. Continuing in chapter 10 of Romans, we read, for scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? I love this next verse. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This isn't my story. This isn't made up. This isn't something that you do when your life is perfect. You see, the gospel transforms us. It's a transformation that happens immediately and continues over time. And as Christians in here, the gospel has to compel us to share our faith. If we start with any other point, If I came up here and I gave you 10 ways to share your faith better, it's bankrupt. It doesn't work. The gospel has to be the center. It has to be the starting point. And it has to be everything that we do. You're commanded to share your faith. Greg Lyrie says there are two types of sin. A sin of commission is a sin that you should not do. Anything you shouldn't do. In contrast to that, a sin of omission is not doing what you should do. You see, it's just as sinful to not share your faith as it is to not love your God and not love your neighbor. And I would argue that if you don't share your faith, you're not doing either of those two things. That's convicting for me. That's changing for me. It's not a question of minimal obedience to God, but total surrender of obedience. Christ is the good Samaritan in this passage. He's the one that offers redemption and healing, and we're called to be like Christ. So, how do you share your faith? It's simple. You love your neighbor more than you love yourself when you're in the coffee shop and you feel the Holy Spirit telling you to talk to someone, it is unloving for any of us to say no because the reality of sin is death. And if you die without knowing Christ as your savior and accepting that gift that I talked about earlier, you're going to live an eternity apart from God. That is not a place where you wanna be. I promise you that is not a place. The Bible talks so much about that. So Christian, if you're in here tonight and you've been struggling to share your faith, you're not alone. I struggle, we all struggle. We have to understand the gospel's power in our lives and let that compel us to share our faith. If you're like the Levite and the priest in the story and it's just inconvenient for you to help someone, remember that it wasn't inconvenient for Christ to come and live this hard life and die a terrible death for you. If you're in here tonight and you're broken, first of all, you don't have to stay that way. Christ offers healing that is crazy, the change it can do. I can look back to 18-year-old Aaron and see a different person that stands here today. I'm not perfect, and I mess up daily. But Christ's power in my life has changed so much. And it's worth it, I promise it's worth it. So tonight, my challenge as we close is that you don't forget how broken you once were, and that it wasn't by yourself that you were saved but only by Christ. So share your faith, share your story. This week, go out and invite someone to young adults and tell them your story. Let's pack this room out for friends week. Let's show how much we love others by how many seats we fill because we know that those people need the same redemption that we received. If you're in here tonight and you haven't accepted that, that free gift, come. When we sing, there's going to be people up front who would love to share with you how to do that. Walk through questions that you might have and show you that they're just as broken as you are, but Christ has changed them and healed them. If you haven't been sharing your faith like you should, if you've been trying to justify yourself, come too. Lay that down at the altar and surrender to God. Because we can never do anything apart from Christ's power. Commit to sharing the gospel this week. Let's pray.